Bitch HQ on Riverside Avenue, and for everyone, if they've heard of it, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are multi-generational game playing and noble failure. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. We really kind of tore through that intro, I feel. Did I rush through it? We were all just, just a little higher BPM than usual. Ooh, we BPM. got lots of energy <laughs> oh, I know for working on our BPM games. Now. Yep, BPM. Yeah, yeah, Martha, yeah. 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 So uh, last weekend, or it was the weekend before, I was. it was Sunday, and I woke up, and I was like, I got to get stuff done. Uh-huh. So I went to the store and got some snacks. And also, <laughs> I follow you so far. <laughs> and uh, also got a just one of those, you know, college rule notebooks that they sell at convenience stores. Okay. And I was like, I'm just, you know, one of my problems uh, with starting working on games is like everything's too precious. Like I have all these notebooks, but they're all like super cool. And I'm like, I can't put ideas in here that aren't, you know. <laughs> Fine, gonna f- end up in the final game. That's <laughs> Worthy just... of the b- bounding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got a crappy notebook and I just started writing. And yeah. all day I just wrote about the games that ideas that I have in my head and like ideas that I have about mechanics and everything into this notebook. And it's divided into three sections. So I had three different, like my three main games ideas that I work- want to work on. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then also going backwards, just games that I have in my head and, and need to have a place to be so that they're not in my head anymore. Yeah. Nice. So that's what I have done. That's my update <laughs> to all you listeners. <laughs> Martha's actually doing game dev for once. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very exciting. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an active commitment, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So what's the next step? Well, I have to pick one to work on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no fun at all. <laughs> Or maybe just keep working on them simultaneously. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, getting some mechanics down or some, or at least a story for the point and click, because that's not really like I have visions of what, of what each room would look like, but not necessarily how they all would connect together and doing yeah. the, uh, what's it called? The puzzle chart, puzzle dependency chart. That's yeah. called. So got to do a puzzle dependency chart. That's my next step. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So that, that is the gaming update, <laughs> game dev update. Yeah. So well, from where we're sitting at the recording, uh, Ludum Dare 45 just started. It, it did. See, um, every time. I don't find out about it until the last minute. <laughs> well, it's way too late for listeners now. But yeah. um, uh, Martha, have you thought of using a game jam to kickstart one of your bigger ideas? Or does that feel more like the place for small little ideas that sort of you want in, done and dusted? Um. I don't know about game jams, how I feel about them anymore. We should do another topic on them. Yeah. Um, because I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. We'll, we'll revisit this in the future. <laughs> yes. So maybe. Maybe. Uh, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm thinking more uh, that seems like a lot of pressure and I don't like working that way anymore. Yeah, sure. Like wrecking my sleep schedule to, to do a thing. But mm-hmm. um. We'll see. Sure. Yeah. Well, you'll keep us updated, I imagine. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'll be giving regular updates, I guess, is the plan. <laughs> yes. You sound really excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope I can live up to the, the deadlines I've put on myself. 
uh, to stay accountable to you listeners. Speaking of listeners, Mm -hmm. uh, one of our listeners posted it on our Facebook page um, because I had been talking about wanting a game about sorting things and putting things away in a house. And there is a game that's kind of like that that's going to be coming out that they mentioned um, that I should check out. It's called Unpacking. Mm -hmm. um, And I don't think it's out yet, but it looks really cool and kind of up my alley. So thank you for posting about that. That's cool. All right. Whoever the listeners, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to to tell us more about games that we would like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just interpret whatever like nonsense intentions you think we have. Scour the internet for games <laughs> that could maybe s- satisfy our, our our demands, and then let us know so we don't have to go looking for them ourselves. Yes, great, smart, lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like my entire family. Speaking of my entire family, (laughs) I wanted to talk about multi-generational game playing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my topic today. Yes. And what does that mean? This is a term you've come up with to describe this topic, right? Yes. So I wanted to talk about um, in the summer, every summer, my family, my whole extended family has a reunion every year. um, And it's a week long up north. um, And we... It's like the best vacation ever because there's nothing planned. Like we don't plan anything. We're just like, we're just going to go up there and hang out and, and do whatever. And one of the things I've been doing is now that the, the, like the places we stay have been updated enough to have TVs and stuff in the mm-hmm. cabins. Um, the, I bring my switch along and my little cousins who don't have very many, much video game stuff at their house get to play video games with me mm-hmm. and it's super super fun mm-hmm. um and also my grandparents are there um and we play a lot of card games and board games um all together too and i just it was like this past year it was so it struck me so much like oh i'm playing games with my like a family across different generations and i want to talk about that yeah how it kind of changes how you think about games. Cause when you play with people all your own age, you all kind of have similar ways of looking at things. Sure. Mm-hmm. And like, it was so interesting to think there are parts of like, we play uh, Mario Odyssey uh, uh, with my little cousins a lot. They really like playing and like the things that I think would be difficult that I think are difficult are not necessarily the things that they think are difficult mm-hmm. or the things that they're into. Yeah. Like, uh, when I play a game, I like having like, you know, I want to do, want to like go through the story and have things to do, but I'm like, oh, oh I can reset the game for you because I've beaten the game, mm-hmm. uh, Mario Odyssey, but they are n- super not interested in that. They're like, whatever, right. we just want to go around on in the different levels. Yeah. Like we don't want to have to do a story. Like then we wouldn't yeah. be able to go to ev- like switch around to each planet. Like we want, or each area, we yeah. want to be able to go to all the levels. Okay. Um, and like, I didn't even think about that. Like, that's not how I would have thought they would have want. They've, I thought they would have wanted their own game to play. Right. Right. A a story of their own, the way you experienced it, you, cause that was your progress, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they're not interested in that at all. Yeah. And one of the reasons they aren't is because like, whenever they get frustrated with a part, they will move to a new area. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we're done, you know, bored with all the things in the lake universe. Let's go to the desert. <laughs> or, oh, yeah. we're like, we're, like this, you know, this puzzle is too hard. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. And when the game is locked off 
with a story, they can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, my uh, nephews are like that with Breath of the Wild. I think I may have talked about it on the show before, but uh, I gave them my completed save, and then they really liked playing through it and warping to anywhere in the world. And then when uh, Gavin got his own Switch and Zelda, he was very disappointed. <laughs> he, he called me up and he's like, how do I get past this part? And I'm like, I don't know, kid. It's been a long time. <laughs> oh, no. But it, it is really interesting because I think younger people, when they play games, it's more about the actual play of it, right? Like we as adults, we have checklists and we have to-dos and we have objectives and that's important to us. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, things feel meaningless and then the existential dread sets in. But when... <laughs> But when you're a kid and you're playing as Mario, that triple jump, that's it. Yeah. That's all you need. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. It's okay that everything is already unlocked and everything, like all the doors are open. Like, yeah. There's no accomplishment necessarily that's important there. It's the sort of just jumping on and off things is that's play, right? Mm-hmm. It's, we, we do forget that sometimes at our yeah. age. Yeah, I, I think about that because like when I was younger, I played Super Mario 64 all the time. Yeah. And I still feel like Super Mario 64 is the most fun 3D Mario platformer that I've played, mm-hmm. even though like Odyssey adds some mechanics and stuff that make it really interesting. Um, and I think part of that is just the nostalgia for like being a kid and just being able to hop around all over the place. Right, right. Can you capture that again when you pick it up once more? I, I haven't played it in a bit, so okay. <laughs> maybe I should just do that and just rip the bandaid off. <laughs> it would be interesting to see if you go back and play old games the way you used to play them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or if it, yeah. or things just change as you get older and, and you can't go back. Yeah, you know. I guess when I was younger too, I used to like we used to take games and just make our own like game modes out of them. So like with Super Smash Brothers, me and my brother, um, and maybe I think maybe one or two of our friends, um, would all pick Link and then go to the Zelda level, and then we just force ourselves to throw bombs at each other all the time. Yeah, that was super fun. <laughs> uh, and then like when Melee came out, we would play, we would force ourselves to play Pokemon, and we'd only have Pokeballs, and then we play Pokemon battles. That's that awesome. Cool. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't want to do that now. Like I've, I've asked my brother, like, do you want to like, you know, have Pokemon battles like we used to? And I'm like, eh, no, not really. Well, I don't know why that is. When my dad was little, he and his, and my aunts would go play out in the woods. Mm-hmm. And they, there's this one time where they played with this stick yeah. and I don't, they can't, like, they still start laughing whenever they start describing this and can't really tell me what they were doing with the stick, but right. it was very funny and very fun. Okay. And they tried yeah. to go do that same thing the next day, and it was not funny anymore. Yeah. Huh. And, and not fun at all. It was just like a, a ghost of what they had experienced the day before. It's like a one-time thing. That's something I real I recognized when I was a kid is that like I used I would like have a huge amount of fun playing one thing on in one day and then the next day we tried it again and it wasn't as fun mm-hmm. and I was like that must be a rule of the universe <laughs> 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 it's not going to be as fun the next day <sighs> yeah what you were saying reminds me of uh, when we would play Star Wars Episode One Racer oh, because yeah. we would try to do our own game modes in that too mostly just silly ones like how many maps can we go backwards on and just try to like go backwards or try to like destroy as many other players as po- like NPC players as possible mm-hmm. um, try to find all the like just crazy ways to play yeah mm-hmm. I did that with Mario Kart 64 and other racing games I felt like I didn't do a lot of racing in the racing games I played <laughs> when I was a kid you know, like as, you know, our generation and, and adjacent tends to have these examples, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, we, we played it slightly differently because we ran out of ways to play it the way it was designed and we, we still had time on our hands. Yeah. Um, but I think now games uh, and as game designers, we think about incorporating that into the design mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of examples. The, you know, like Fortnite's a good example of just like when players start doing a thing that's a little bit off label, then they just make that official. 
you know? Hmm, yeah. Um, and it, it, I guess we just have more capability as designers to accommodate those impulses yeah. than we used to, perhaps. We also That's signpost true. it more, too, right? Because we have yeah. achievements and stuff, and those are ways to um, hint players into playing like with alternate ways of playing. Right. Like Mirror's Edge and No Guns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... Right, and is it is is it the case that that gives a lot more flexibility and options for players, or is it the case that like we rob them of some of the discovery or creativity? Yeah, like it's it's not their game anymore. It's the game that the uh, recess monitor came up with. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean that's part of the reason why I don't like achievements. Like I feel like it takes a little bit of that. You don't want to be told what to do. I don't. It's my <laughs> game. I paid for it, or I, my parents paid for it. <laughs> I'm gonna play it how I want to play it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I remember when I was a uh, kid and I had my cousin over, and sometimes we would play games with her. But a lot of the times, um, me and my brother just wanted to play the game, and and my cousin would just keep nagging us to play it. And so, like, what we would do is we would give her a controller, and it wasn't plugged into anything, and she'd just be mashing buttons. You monster! I know. Wow. <laughs> hey, okay, I was like ten. Okay, <laughs> I didn't. I know it was really mean. I don't even think she ever recognized it. She was still having a good time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so you, whatever it takes to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, but we, I mean, it was cool because we got to play the game. So that was, that was, <laughs> And she didn't. And that was the whole point. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <it. laughs> well, I mean, like, was the reason that you didn't want to play with her because she was not skilled enough to play at your level or? Oh, I think part of it was that part of it was also like, uh, we were playing on the PlayStation. The PlayStation only had two controllers. Yeah. So like we felt like we had to play another game and we were like, no, nope, we're playing Crash Bass today. So you're going to have to take this controller and play this fictional invisible character or uh-huh. whatever we said. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there is definitely that thing of the, the, the youngest of a, of, a, of, a, of a sibling group or whatever will always want to sort of aspire to play the games that their older siblings play. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's a pretty common uh, thing. Mm-hmm. And so... But then you have like, you know, a whole family plays uh, Mahjong or Yahtzee or something together. Yeah. And that, those games tend to have a wider age range of people who can play in one match, right? Yeah. Um, but then sometimes it's like you're 12 and you don't want to play Candyland anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So as designers, how do we think about making things that can work for that? Or at least signposting that people who are outside that range, we shouldn't accidentally make, uh, give them the impression that they want to play. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the the hat in um, Mario Odyssey is pretty interesting. My little cousin, my littlest cousin, really likes playing the hat, and she will like, yeah, she will be like, "I'm playing the hat. No one else can play the hat. Why are you? no? <laughs> <laughs> like that's her thing." Mm-hmm. Um, but she'll eventually get bored and wander off, and then the older one will take on both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is like one of the challenges that I tried to like I wanted to talk about is like how. I guess it goes back to the accessibility sort of controls uh, schemes that we've talked about before making things that, but like the things that they have trouble with sometimes aren't necessarily the things that get controlled by the accessibility controls. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Or like they're less common, like, like they should be able to, we would run into parts where there was, you couldn't advance without beating a boss. And like I had to beat the boss for them. Mm -hmm. Because it just took too much timing and and coordination, but but they were doing just fine with like puzzles and things like that in the game with yeah. that required the same mechanics but just slower. Yeah. And I guess there's are there are like Celeste does a timing slowdown and things like that. 
Um, but like just being able to skip that boss battle would have been way easier. <laughs> like, right. I mean, yeah, right. maybe not code wise, but <laughs> right. But, but, but yeah, yeah, no, it would have been easier for, for as a player to just be able to skip the boss. If you mm-hmm. don't want to deal with the boss. Yeah. Um, it, it was this in super Mario odyssey. They had that. Yeah. They were trying to do, I think maybe that's why we skipped switched back to my save is because they didn't want yeah. it. Like it was too difficult. Okay. You know, Nintendo, interestingly, Nintendo does make games that are, approachable by a wide variety of, of players of different ages and skill sets. Yeah. But they also generally don't do, except for like a hero mode in a Zelda game, mm-hmm. they generally don't do difficulty settings. Yeah. So th- they end up, there's cases they can't cover, right? Because yeah. of the way that a lot of their games are, are set up. Yeah. Um, so it's a very uh, um, laudable achievement that they can have something that works for so many different types of players um, without having any of those settings exposed. Well, they don't. But also, to- when when you do reach the edge of that, it can be especially annoying. Like, why didn't they just give me this option? Yeah, they yeah. don't have the settings, but they do have that. Like, a, they have not assist mode, but like um, in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze or whatever, the newest one where like you could play as Funky Kong if you uh, die too many times. Oh, right, stuff like that. They have those, and I guess the more recent uh, 2D Mario's yeah. uh, had that uh, as well. Yeah, the fancy. Cat Mario or whatever it was called, yeah. and like the late last couple of Kirby's and Yoshi games also yeah. uh, had stuff like that. They were a very ex- explicit mode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been. I should pick up the Kirby game because I think they would really like Kirby too. <gasps> uh, Yoshi's Woolly World um, has a, a, a mode that's uh, Yoshi is actually a very hard game. Like uh, Yoshi's Island is really hard, mm-hmm. but the newer ones are so cute and fluffy that they're not as hard, but they're yeah. still kind of. Kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then they just have a mode which is like you can never fall in a pit. And like that makes the difference, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel any less uh, fun or, or um, accessible. But like unlike a Celeste where it's very fine-tuned and you like you, you do it to make you as the player feel right, it, 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 this is just like a straight-up easy mode Yeah. in that nothing changes except there's just fewer hazards. Like yeah. all the spikes are covered and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like it's blunt. It's a blunt instrument, but sometimes that's what you want, right? Yeah, I was going to say the like the assist mode for Celeste is really cool because it's really, you know, accessible and like you can tune the difficulty the way you want to do it. Yeah. But but like that's a hassle sometimes. Yeah, and it's a lot of I, I, it's a lot of menus, right? Mm-hmm. So like as a kid, are you going to be looking at all these menus and go, "Oh, I can mess with all these things and know what they all mean and yeah. be able to set it to the difficulty you want?" And do you even want to do that? <laughs> I, I, I feel like I wouldn't have the patience to do with all that yeah. stuff. Well, and Celeste, the, the, the reason you have so many options is because then you, you get it to what you need, but then yeah. you, can, you can still feel challenged to the way you want to right. so the accomplishment makes right. sense. But if you're eight years old, like, who cares? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just make all the hazards not kill you, and then you'll have a great time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's no, you don't need to worry about as an adult where you feel like uh, being pandered to or something. That, that, the 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 innocence uh, is lost on you, but you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, I don't know that. I don't know if that's the solution. If you want like kids to play your game, you know, mm-hmm. having that having Celeste assist mode be that. Um, oh open. yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it a might, balance. Yeah, it <laughs> might be easier to just have it the way Nintendo does it, but then it makes it feel bad. I, I I remember I felt bad like if I were having a hard time with a level and then the thing popped up and said, hey, do you want the easy mode? I'm like, no, yeah. I don't want the easy mode. Let me finish this. <laughs> um, so like then it makes it frustrating for me. Um, and so it just, I, yeah, it's, it's it's difficult to determine how how best to approach that. And I don't think we've, I don't think as an industry we've landed on a perfect solution that ticks both the boxes. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately as, as a designer you have to decide, uh, you can't have it all. Yeah. So you have to decide like 
if you know if you're going to have options that widen your audience then you 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 still do need to make some choices mm-hmm. about like the method at which you widen it right yes yeah are you, are you widening it to like players of all skill levels but people who are familiar with gaming and have played for 20 years or you think about uh, uh, expanding your audience to different age groups or you know uh there's it's it's even more complicated than yeah. <laughs> fears at first, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you have the other end of the spectrum um, where you're playing with ga- grandparents. Mm-hmm. And with grandparents, it's harder to get, well, at least my grandparents, are harder to get them into playing anything on the computer yeah, uh, or screen. Some grandparents do, but yeah. some grandparents don't. Sure. Um, and so we play a lot of card games. Like my grandma and my grandpa used to play uh, cribbage every night. And oh, like wow. you couldn't call them between six and seven because they were playing cribbage. <laughs> huh. That was cribbage time. They wouldn't answer the phone. So, <laughs> um, and um, so like we, one of the card games we play as a big family is called Canfield. And I was looking it up, and actually, the word Canfield is what the rest of the world calls um, sol- the solitaire we play. It's actually Canfield Solitaire, mm-hmm. um, and. Basically, our my family's game Canfield is that is solitaire, but multiplayer solitaire, so you can play on everyone else's cards, oh. and it gets very heated and very tense, and like has, <laughs> requires a lot of like yelling and strong willed, and that my card was on top first, throwing other people's cards off, uh-huh. stuff like that. So oh, you have man. to be very thick skinned. You would like it. My family would love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's very up your family's alley, cool. I think. Um, but my grandma loses all the time because mm-hmm. she will get stuck like with her cards uh, in front of her and then go, "Oh, I missed that. Oh no," and get like very flustered. Yeah. And so what we've been doing is um she also cheats a lot and we just kind of <laughs> let her do that. Like she'll only put 10 cards in her Canfield pile, which is the thing you have to get off to win mm-hmm. and uh she'll like she'll play cards on the wrong suit and we'll just be like it's fine it's grandma's <laughs> thing yeah. just let her do it yeah. <laughs> um and that has made like made it so that even though she's you know has less um l- like ability to do the game that she still feels like she's having fun yeah. and that she's getting one over on us <laughs> even though she's not yeah <laughs> but yeah, I mean, house rules, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> I think one reason why it's easier to play board games and card games with um, people of all generations is because they you can change the rules on the fly and there's no, like, hardware limitations and design limitations yeah, yeah, yeah. on that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, we don't like this mechanic, we'll just throw it out. It's no yeah. longer a thing. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that die roll was a five. Let's, let's just move it up to like a one. Let's just move it up to a five. There you go. We're mm-hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just skip to the end of the game. We, those are things you can do yeah. with that. And so like, mm-hmm. I guess this is like a lot of har- hardware limitations on how much we can code that into games. But I think we could get more people on board together if we started thinking of like allowing people to cheat, like that's okay. Right. You used to have cheat codes. Exactly. Don't have cheat codes yeah. anymore. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, I think of like a multiplayer game where you like give everyone like an allotment of mulligans. Yeah. And maybe you can actually handicap certain players in the settings menu or something. Now, how how comfortable are people sort of putting it on record that they're the ones who are worst at it and need the most help? I don't know, but yeah. um, but you know, I think of like trivia games. <laughs> like my family would play the uh, Nintendo sixty four Jeopardy. 
which oh. was uh, perfect because, uh, you know, it was three players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there was always usually three people around. Yeah. Um, but people can play on teams, too. And so we and that's just trivia. So right. and it's multiple choice on a console. Mm-hmm. So there's really not anyone who can't play that. And so there are some games that are rigid. And in fact, a game like that makes a lot of sense because, you, you know, uh, like Trivial Pursuit it's always a little, for some reason people fight over trivial pursuit even though it's a pretty <laughs> cut and dry what the deal is mm-hmm. but in jeopardy you can't really argue yeah <laughs> uh, right. a digital jeopardy game right um but like um uh what is it the uh, jackbox party pack has lots oh, yeah. of trivia games right. that are really good for all ages um and they're still modern and uh, but they don't require uh you know they're not um i mean they're not video games in a you know more familiar sense mm-hmm. um but they're not they don't have this sort of um the flexibility that you're describing yeah. in card games and, you know, with house rules and stuff like that, but it still captures a little bit of that ability for anyone to just dive in regardless. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Those are mm-hmm. built for parties though, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess one could argue the Jeopardy game probably wasn't built for parties, but like, no, <laughs> but like it still works in that instance, right? Yeah. So like yeah. And Jackbox is definitely built for parties. So like, I guess if you were to build it, you would build it as, um, as like a thing that's like doesn't take a lot of commitment, right? Yeah, I think that's a lot of how a lot of the Jackbox games work is that like they don't take a lot of commitment because you only right. need a phone or a device or something yeah. that you can log on to a website with. It's also really hard to be good at those games. Yeah, so there's no motivation to like like master it mm. in order to beat everybody because it's just kind of impossible yeah yeah <laughs> you know? that's totally it even the trivia ones like are, are kind of hard to win at every time mm-hmm. because they tend to either have more randomization mechanics or they tend to be have like much wider um a swath of question types yeah so it's harder for anyone to master um my brother hates all the Jackbox games yeah. so I haven't gotten my family on board with playing them because mm. he's will always naysay them um, but he, that's because he doesn't like having to come up with something funny on the spot. Yeah. It's hard for him to do. Yeah. Um, which I understand. Mm-hmm. So pros yeah. and cons. I kind of don't like those games specifically, the ones where you got to come up with something funny on the spot because it's always subjective. And like, if you make something that nobody laughs at, then you just feel bad. Even <laughs> even if nobody knows you put it up there, like it still sucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, um, I Yeah, I much prefer the trivia ones. Yeah. Like that murder party one or whatever. That one's fun. Yeah. Even though it's creepy and about murder, yeah, like, because like, <laughs> it's just a trivia game, yeah, right, yeah, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm with you. I like as much as I sort of praise the Jackbox like style of game. I also hate all of them <laughs> except yeah. for the trivia ones. Mm-hmm. But like, I see people play them, and it's like well, they have value. Yeah, you know. Um, I think part of it is like the social aspect of it. That's yeah. why, like, um, their activity is more than they are games, mm-hmm. really. Uh, yeah, and they like yeah they provide you with an avenue and t- with which to interact with with um without like having to have a conversation. You're having a conversation yes. about the game, I guess. Like that's how uh, I know this is a controversial opinion, but my family loves Monopoly. Um, even though it's actually very controversial in our family too. We almost <laughs> shunned my uncle from the family because of how we were playing the game. We get real hardcore intense when we play games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I really like the aspect of Monopoly because, or I only like Monopoly specifically because. The way that that game works is like it encourages you to do trades, and so you have to like negotiate with your family to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and we played it with multi generations, and that like we have like my cousins who are like eight or eleven or whatever, and then like me and my brother who are um, in our twenties, and then my dad and uh, my uncle and stuff are in their forties and fifties. Um, and what we do is we just pair them off with younger generations, um, and so uh-huh. that, like they ah. can together negotiate to figure out what they want to do. Yeah. Um, 
That's so cool. Yeah. Oftentimes it's not, it's most of the time it's like the older people are doing the negotiations and stuff and doing a lot of the action, but like the, the younger kids can still feel engaged with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what I like about that is it, it, it invites, well, in our family, it invites a lot of argumentation, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um, um, and like, I really enjoy that aspect of it because like it's, it's, it's simple enough and random enough where like anybody could be in an advantage position. Um, and then like you just work from there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah. And I think so. I think that like having it, if you wanted to make a game that was um, good for um, both kids and your grandparents, then like maybe, um, maybe, I mean, making it so like it's successful for teams and making it so that it's, uh, it just invites, it's simple enough where people can just like um, interact in a simple way yeah. is a good way to go about it. I well, I, you know, pairing off a younger and an older. A uh, member of the family to for balance reasons. Yeah, right, it happens a lot in trivia games with family. I know that mm-hmm. my family they won't let me and my wife play together because <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we'll we'll dominate. Fair. Right, <laughs> um, and so uh, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which means whichever team that Dale is on usually wins. Oh, um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's that's and it's really easy to set up, mm-hmm. right? It's like. You know who would feel bad. You know what I mean. Like, yeah. There's and it also lends a sense to like you don't have to take the results that seriously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, your family's a little different, I guess, because you really fight for it. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. We've all described our families. It, it, we all sort of have very similar experiences. But I, I'm getting the sense that they're very different. Like fly on the wall. Like very different things happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Depends on your family. Certainly. Yeah. So Which like, means there are probably some universalities, uh-huh. I suppose. Yeah, but, but not not everything is universal in yeah. the way we've been approaching. Because like sure. when you describe, like my family can't play Monopoly because it requires you to be a little serious. Yeah. Otherwise, it's too boring. Yeah. And so we were just really bored. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But we really enjoy um like code names. Okay. Sure. Because the results don't matter, and so you can be you can really really care about this particular guess. Or you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's and it doesn't really ruin anybody else's fun, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if Monopoly, if you're not trying, the person next to you is trying feels bad because they're wasting their time now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you need to be at each other's throats for yeah. it to be fun. That makes sense. Yeah, and it certainly depends on the group too because like um, I I love the board game uh, concept um, and I used to play that all the time. Yeah. Um, but then I bought it home and like had my family play it and they're like, I don't understand how any of this works. Why would you put this cube over here? And I was like, what? <laughs> But it, it's a simple game, uh, and I was frustrated. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it totally depends on um, the crowd you bring it to, mm-hmm. and you, you can't account for every crowd. That's but that's a good point. I, I didn't think about that. I, obviously, families are different. Mm-hmm. So, how it, even if you make something that works for your, you know, the children in your family and the grandparents in your family, um, how how would that work on another person's? That's families? true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the, uh, I think the only counterexample I can think of for my family, which is we're much more party game, sure. right? We don't really want to take it seriously. Somebody wants to be able to leave for five minutes. Like we, yeah. we don't always do that, but everyone wants the freedom to do it. Yeah, yeah. So we don't, we can't get too involved. But mm-hmm. one exception was Nintendo Land oh, for Wii okay. U. Okay. Uh, my family got into that pretty hardcore and like we all tried real hard. <laughs> um, and I don't know if that game is just because it is more of a party game mm-hmm. um, that it uh, was more... Um, flexible to that but like we actually were really 
properly competing with each other in a way that we generally don't when we when we play games together. Okay. And so that's an interesting example. I can't think of anything else that my family that would, you know, many generations has played together. Yeah. That's like that. Um, interesting. I don't know, but is there, are there games that your family, maybe that's why concept was hard to do because they, you, you couldn't, they couldn't take it as seriously. Yeah. They were like, I want to win. And I was like, but, but, but no. There's, there's no real, there's not really competition in that game. You can have competition. Uh, I don't like the game <laughs> as much that way because yeah. like, then it's not as well. Oh yeah. That is a lot of it. Now that I think about it the way you were talking about it, because like the way concept works and why I really like it as a party game is that like people can go in make a bunch of guesses and then leave when that specific guess ends. And oftentimes it takes like five minutes. Yeah. It's barely a commitment. My parents, and I think all of my family really wanted to like commit to a game. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to compete over a game. Yeah. And so concept did not bring that to them. And in concept, all you can do is add to everyone else's enjoyment. You yeah. cannot do anything to subtract from it. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of important for uh, people of different like backgrounds and skill sets and intentions. Mm-hmm. Cause like families have character, right? They're yeah. all they, like, my family's this way, your family's this way, and so on. Mm-hmm. But also people within families, you know, yes. <laughs> don't always jive as well as say maybe our families do with, with themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, depending on, on what family or what group of people, multi generational group of people you bring a game to, um, it will either be a smashing success. Or a noble failure. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you threaded the needle on that one. (laughs) Very good. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, This one's my topic, noble failures. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just things in history that we tend to make fun of. Like, Mm. what spurred this on is the Ouya, right? You all remember the Ouya. Yeah. And it is now, like, it is is a punchline. But it is interesting how a lot of these, and Virtual Boy is another example. And I'll get, I'm going to detail a couple of these specifically. Yeah, okay. But I do think of some of these, and I, 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 I worry we don't appreciate them enough either for, you know, there's always the ahead of its time. But I think more than that, it's the idea, it's like there's a, a sort of a purity of thought and like a, um, a, a noble intent. Yeah. And then it just doesn't work. Yeah. And I don't really think there's any reason to make fun of that. And I feel that that happens a lot uh, with a lot of these things. And, you know, we, uh, you know, I have my own subjective judgment of what I think meets this qualification. Right. But I also, you know, things that don't meet this qualification, like, you know, there's a bunch of failed consoles in the 90s that all had some pretty good ideas. But like uh-huh. the 3DO, for example. Yeah. Like, it was fine. But I don't call it a noble failure. <laughs> it did its thing. It just, you know, it's yeah. like it's maybe it's maybe it could have done better in a different universe. But like it was just a video game console. Yeah. Um, it did have some unique ideas, but stuff like that. So like yeah. uh, Steam Machines. It, oh, the, sure, the, yeah. the idea was to bring Steam into the living room. Yeah. But it was also like a play, like it was competitive against Windows. And it was like, how do we bully our way into the console market, mm-hmm. but also not do any of the R&D? So like, that's not a noble failure. That yeah. just was a mistake. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the or, Vita isn't on this list, is it? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I'd have to argue with that. The Vita had a proper shelf life. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? yeah. Like it was, pl- it was played on many a road trip uh-huh. and on many airplanes, and uh-huh. I, it, it did okay. Yeah, it we, had its time, and it's gone yeah. now. But you and my brother played it quite a bit. Yeah, and that was the, those were the only two people who played it. <laughs> um, so the first one I want to talk about is that I don't know a lot about this. So I found mm-hmm. a couple of examples of just things that failed, and just trying to like do some research as to like. Because I'm thinking about some of these things and, and I'm like, well, I have my experience with a couple of these. So mm-hmm. it's, I'm very much informed by my experience. Sure. So I wanted to look outside and find some other examples that I wasn't as familiar with to kind of get a more a broad notion. And the one I found here was really interesting called iRobot, which mm. is uh, named, I imagine, for the Asimov story. Okay. Um, but it's an arcade game. 
And um, it was one of the first arcade games to have a, a, like a, a, a polygon graphics, oh. um, which was sort of interesting. Um, and uh, so innovative in that sense. But I think the real interesting thing about it was it had a second game mode. The game itself was fine, I guess. I couldn't yeah. read a lot. I didn't read a lot about uh, you know what was interesting about it other than the technically. Sure. But it had the second mode, uh, which was called uh, Doodle City. And <laughs> the idea was is that it had this technology to generate these 3D graphics. And so you could just, for, uh, you put a coin in and you chose the game or Doodle City. And Doodle City was like a three minute timer. Yeah. And it was like, it was just, it was not a game. It was just, you drew in 3D space using polygons. And this is in 1984. Oh, wow. And so wow. the idea is, is like, imagine in this era when you don't know what's coming next, you don't know what's going to be popular. And it's like, the innovation is kind of like, you have to innovate. Like, there isn't enough of the same yet, yeah. I suppose, yeah. for you to just go along with the crowd. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of interesting, but also, like, the 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 noble failureness of it, I think, is because it didn't sell well. Yeah. Um, it, it's notable mainly for its use of 3D graphics early on, but I think this Doodle City thing is what really makes it interesting. Yeah. Is this idea of, like, a new idea and just, and, and thing like, well, we've got this tool, what else can we make with it? Mm -hmm. And I think that is very common in a lot of, um, sort of skunkworks projects where you're trying to come up with something, you've got sort of an idea and it doesn't really work. And then you try something else with the parts you have laying out on the table. And then that's where the interesting thing happens. Yeah. And so I think that that is, that's that those are noble intents and I like, so this, that's a really nice example. That's cool. Um, Again, I own, so let's talk about the Ouya because that's the one that inspired this. Yeah. Uh, 2013, uh, for people who don't know the basic details, it was a Kickstarter project and it was one of the, like a number of like Pebble Watch is another one, like one that is notable for being incredibly successful on Kickstarter, like mm -hmm. breaking records that have been broken since, but so it goes. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, they got some high end talent to do the uh, industrial design. Um, they got a lot of really interesting uh, people pulled from the tech sector. It was very startup focused. But the idea was it was a micro console. So Android, mm -hmm. run, ran on Android, but plugged into your television, used a, a, a gaming controller, and then had its own storefront. And there were two interesting parts about it. One is the hardware. And the, the, they wanted, um, uh, like Android phones, yeah. every piece of, every hardware is a development kit. Mm -hmm. And so... Even in the even in that era, um, like set top boxes, you know, um, like consoles obviously have dev kits, right? They're not as easy to develop for. But um, this this still seemed new, even in a world where on you had an Android phone or iOS and you could develop on your own. The idea of having a something in your living room you could play uh, uh, um, for console games and it would spur this market yeah. and anybody could develop for it. Yeah was a kind of a new and interesting idea. It was taking that notion of that had mobile and bringing it into a space where people weren't as familiar with it. So the hardware was interesting, um, but also the, the people don't remember this part exactly, but the storefront was designed so that every game had to have a free demo. So that's oh, one of the reasons why it failed is because right. people had a hard time developing demos. And of course, research has shown that demos actually don't help sell your game. Mm. But the idea was it was going to be consumer friendly. So the hardware and the ecosystem was meant to be developer friendly. And the software or the, the business model was meant to be consumer friendly. Yeah. If, you know, I, I buy the Ouya, it was $100, right? And, and so a cheap way to get into console gaming. That's consumer friendly. And then I go to the store and I download 50 games and play all their demos. Yeah. And the ones I want to keep playing, I pay for, right? Yeah. And it seemed like a really cool democratizing model. So not just for developers, but for players. Um, I intersect with this because the Ouya was the first thing that I developed on that wasn't a mobile phone. Ah. Um, so I had done Android development um, in like the early 2010s 
uh, and iOS stuff as well. And I wanted to make some games and apps and stuff for it because that was accessible to me. Oh, yeah, that makes right? sense. Yeah. Even PC development wasn't as accessible to me in those days. Okay. And certainly console development, impossible. And so the idea of the Ouya was something like, oh, I can make a game with a controller that has joysticks. I can do that. Yeah. And that seemed... Um, out of reach to me before then. Sure, yeah. I mean, not entirely, but it seemed impractical, I suppose, to yeah, me before yeah. that. So I, you know, I, I bought into the, the the idea. And Metro Nexus, uh, a, a game that's still not done, <laughs> but that was that started out as a prototype for Ouya. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I was like, oh, I can I can finally make something with controllers. Yeah. And it was like a big deal. And it was a big deal for a lot of people. Um, Towerfall famously started out on the Ouya. Right. And uh, that company went on to make Celeste and is now forming a new... Uh, collective studio that will surely you know uh, go on and so but the ui is a big punchline people make fun of it because it was it made a lot of bad moves right yeah um and one of the worst things they did was they had a um a a fund where they're like um uh, they made so much money off kickstarter Mm. that they're like we're going to share some of this money with developers ah so the idea was that it was called free the games fund really dumb name but (laughs) the idea was is that you give some exclusi- exclusivity to Ouya, yeah. and then they help fund your game. Yeah. So you run your own Kickstarter, and then they match you dollar for dollar up to a certain point. That oh, was wow. the idea from oh. this from this fund they had done. So you you just need to so Kickstarters are famously you 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 can't budget properly for Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. You get a certain amount of money, but your game's going to cost two or three times more to make than what you asked for. Yeah. And because gamers aren't not you, they, they don't know how much games cost. Yeah. So uh, this was designed to make that model more practical for people. But ultimately, uh, Ouya ended up, uh, you know, stumbling as a company and wasn't able to pay out all of those rewards. Yeah. Um, and uh, they also, the company got bought up by Razer. Mm. And it was just like a whole bunch of drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but ultimately, people had their hearts in the right place. But again, just mistake after mistake. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, other than Towerfall, not a, really any su- commercial successes on the platform. Yeah. And the the product did really well on Kickstarter, but then it didn't sell well afterwards. Yeah. Because there wasn't a reason to get it. There was like, it was an oversaturated market. Like looking back, there's so many reasons why it failed. Mm-hmm. Like it's not actually that hard to, it's not even like a, if it were just a little different, it would have taken off. Like, yeah. I don't think it really had a shot. Yeah. Um, but it did a couple of things. One is it democratized game development in that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also uh, spurred on a bunch of other hardware projects um, a lot of them failed as well. Yeah. But um, it became inspi- inspiring for a lot of other uh, interesting projects that did become successful after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find that sort of interesting. So yeah. I, f- I, that's, you know, put that on the wall as a, as a noble failure. Yeah. Um, well, for sure. I, I, I wonder that, like, when people make fun of the OUYA, they're not necessarily making fun of all of those good things you brought up. Yeah. They're just making fun of, you know, all of the fail, all of the bad decisions that you made, that yeah. they made. Well, there tends to be um, a sort of a, a um, an Im- implicit statement which is like well they shouldn't have bothered yeah i guess know, that's fair yeah you know what i mean and that I, is, hear that yeah. it's very common with like a windows phone is another example like something that like they just like, well they just shouldn't have bothered i'm on that side right <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's a lot like hardware it, it tends to be the truth is is like not everything succeeds yeah so you hear a lot of people saying like oh you know what it's just android and ios it's a duopoly it's unfair it's impossible to enter that market mm-hmm. and as soon as someone's tr- someone tries yeah. and then fails it's like pfft, what do they think they were going to do? Compete we're, with those two? We're seeing the exact same thing with the Epic Store. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, that is exactly what's happening. Like, there's just Steam. And I guess it's sort of like little tiny fraction. Yeah. And then like Epic comes in and is trying to, you know, you know, be a competition. Everybody's like, why do you even bother doing this? It's not a good service. I'm just going to stick to Steam. And everybody keeps complaining about it. Yeah. But Epic is still around. Well, they, they have so much. Well, money. they have the money to yeah. eat the losses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they're pouring tons of money to not 
to not fail. Right. Right. right yeah. But you know, there's other like uh you know, Humble had to they sell games, but they sell Steam keys. Right. Uh Congregate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have a a, a a down opinion on them because they're the little guy and like, yeah. how dare they and why should they even bother? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like, th- th- I don't think they're on the way to failure at all. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that people are ready to dismiss them. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? And well, I, that it's, I think that's a, it's just, a, I don't think there's a, a solution to that attitude. I think it's yeah. going to exist forever, mm-hmm. but it's a shame. Yeah. You know, I mean, that hap- that did happen to Discord, right? Like they mm-hmm. tried to compete with Steam and stuff and they, yeah, nobody used any of the games i guess it, uh, the way i think it worked is like, like disc if you got discord nitro you got access to a bunch of free games yeah is that how it worked i think um, so okay and then yeah but like it, it seemed like nobody was actually playing the game so they just uh ended the service after like a year of it existing yeah so so i mean that i don't know if i could put that on the wall of noble failures I, but, I like, but no it, it definitely qualifies in this idea of like people now were derisively like why did they even bother yeah exactly and it's like well i don't know maybe in an alternate universe it would have heralded a new business model mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to try something new. They yeah. wanted to try to, you know, jump into a new market. Yeah, and like, uh, uh, kudos to them to like putting up some, you know, not just actual like capital, mm-hmm. but like its its reputation in the space it existed in yeah. to risk trying something new. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of credit to be had there, you know, which is why like when you have the big monolith like Steam that sort of moves very slowly, they don't mm-hmm. take a ton of risks. Yeah. Like it's safe and it's probably correct, mm-hmm. you know, like. Why risk that much? But it, when someone does, it's cool, right? Yeah. And yeah. That, I mean, anyway. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, so the last big one I want to talk about mm-hmm. is Rock Band Network. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, hardware is what we've been talking about mostly to now. Yeah. But, like, I think um, this one is a really interesting. Another one that I have, I have a connection with. Okay. So, Rock Band Network, if you're not familiar, is... Um, a platform for you to upload your own music to Rock Band. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was built off of uh, Microsoft's um, XNA platform for Xbox 360, which is how a lot of really interesting indie games in the latter part of the 2000s, um, you know, uh, 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 came to consumers. Okay, and so it was yeah. uh, you know part of that that indie wave. And so, but that was the backbone of it. And so the idea was that you would um, use these tools that they had built. To author your own tracks by bringing in your audio, you know, putting out the where the gems go, and mm-hmm. and then uploading it to the system, and then selling it for whatever. It failed for a lot of reasons, and when I say failed, it actually ran for a number of years and was well received by consumers. Yeah, and it seems like a success, but it was a failure in what it wanted to do. I think, okay. and, and because I I did a, a work, I, I did author tracks for this. Okay. Yeah. Um, I made no money doing it. <laughs> oh, <dang. laughs> but that was the notion. It was meant to have this uh, indie developers um, be able to sort of the, I, I formed a company, an authoring company is what we called ourselves mm-hmm. to author tracks for rock band. Mm-hmm. I would, uh, 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 musicians would come to my website, upload their tracks. Um, and then I'd sign a contract with me where we'd split the results 50, yeah. 50. So there's two ways you could do it, at least the way we did in those days, yeah. you could either split or you could, or you could uh, charge it as a service. So a, in, a band could come to you and said, Hey, turn all our songs into rock band tracks. And then, uh, you would, they'd pay you some money okay. and then you'd give them all the files they need to upload it themselves. And then yeah. they would get whatever royalties came from sales. Mm. Um, but even that was a hard model to do because of the way that they operated the system where you didn't just make it and upload it. Yeah. You had to make it upload it and then there was a, a whole infrastructure of play testing where um, in order for it to pass through the system uh, peers on the rock band network other people who were authoring would have to download and play your demo tracks uh, demo versions they'd give you feedback and it was a really interesting system okay. but ultimately it meant absolute metric tons of labor yeah. because it was a it was a sort of a um it was a i'll scratch my 
uh, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine system, uh-huh. um, which is the way to run it, right? If you're going to do it. But ultimately what that meant was if you had a song that you spent 40, 50 hours authoring, um, you know, taking the different tracks uh, uh, from the, the, the artist's original thing, mm. uh, getting each instrument laid out the way you want, mm. authoring for easy, medium, hard and expert. Yeah. Doing all the using MIDI to uh, author the, um, the camera moves and the lighting. It was a really interesting, cool system. Yeah. And they, I tried to optimize all. It was all MIDI tracks. Mm. Very cool. If you did all the work to do that, then you upload it to the system and then you wait some amount of time, <laughs> yeah. weeks, maybe oh. months oh. Uh, for enough people to play it. Uh, uh, there was a system of like points and it, I don't remember it exactly. Kind of like green light for steam used to be a little bit. Um, and the thing was, is nobody would play anything you had done unless you had a reputation for playing other people's things and providing feedback oh. and giving the thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, um, like and, for like. Sort of pretty thing. much yeah, yeah. and okay. it, ultimately that was the way to do it yeah. it made a lot of sense but yeah. the problem was is it was just totally impractical because here's how the distribution of of profits went mm. um for the you sell a song for a dollar yeah. because songs on rock band generally were two dollars okay but songs from the rock band network which were not approved by harmonics uh-huh. customers were like i'll pay a dollar for that thank you sure so okay. for a dollar 70 percent went to uh, Microsoft and Harmonix. Oh. 30% went to you. Wow. Uh, and this was part of the XNA model. Yeah. Um, ultimately, they couldn't, I mean, they, it was excuses, but like mm. there was just nothing you could do about that. Yeah. So you got 30%, and then you had to split that with whoever it is you were making deals with right? if, you, if it was not your music. Yeah. Because there were a couple of bands who were also tech savvy enough to do it. Mm. But for the most part, most of the people authoring tracks were working with other musicians to get their music into the game. Yeah. And so, uh, but for a while, it was a really, really tight knit community because we all had to be friends. <laughs> we just had to be. Yeah. And uh, w- uh, one of sort of the proudest moments of, of, of that work in those days was that um, uh, we had all sort of come up with an idea. We were percolating in the forums of like, wouldn't it be cool if we did like a track that was a bunch of the tracks all put together in like a one like six minute thing. Hmm. And then we would put that up and then it would be like a sample yeah. and then people could try it out. And so um, I became really involved in that process and okay. uh, and and pitching that to harmonics directly. Yeah. Uh, and so what ended up happening is that instead of us doing that and it putting it on the Rock Band Network, we did it and gave it to harmonics and they released it on the store for free. Oh. So it was part of the regular store oh. and, it, and it contained samples of a lot of our work. Yeah. And 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 I did a, a DJ voiceover for it. Oh. So it was like it was it was as if I was. Um, so we, it would be like, um, 15 seconds of a song yeah. and then it would be 15 seconds of another song. And then I would come in like a DJ saying yeah. like, that was this one. And before that it was this coming up next is this. Oh. And it was a super fun concept yeah. and it was really fun to write and record and do, and it was this great community effort. And then like, none of us really saw increased sales from it. Uh. <laughs> like it was a t- it just, the whole thing was a ton of work. And that's why I sort of describe it as a failure because yeah. there was so much that was right about it. Mm-hmm. But institutionally there was a lot that just couldn't work. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, eventually the, Fewer and few people did it. It was more a case. It became more about promotion. So a band would have an album that they were releasing. So they're trying to yeah. promote that. Mm-hmm. And so they would tend to just pay people to do it because they would, they knew they wouldn't make a lot of money on the sales for, from it. Yeah. Um, and so the model sort of changed and it became less of the utopian ideal. Yeah. It was only available on Xbox because they had the infrastructure for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was a frustrating process, but it was kind of a magic time. Yeah. In a way. It kind of sounds like with the theme, a lot of these games is that like they were almost destined to fail, even though they were doing really cool things. Yes. And I think that's a big part of the theme is like the ideas and the, 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 the intentions were too good to not 
go forward with. Yeah. But ultimately there wasn't enough in place to make it work. Sure. And I think that like that is that's a mistake we've all made. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. It it might have been like is it it kind of sounds like some of this stuff was just ahead of its time. Like, yeah. I think it just came out too early. I mean like a lot of people say that about the Dreamcast too. The Sega mm-hmm. Dreamcast um in that like it had a lot of cool things about it but like it just came out a little early and it right. wasn't well, that one's more a result of Sega's I mean, uh, yeah. institutional mismanagement. There is, there's that too. But. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing is, that, you know, um, uh, the definitions of these things are really up to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are a couple of these are examples of things I interact with. So, like, I feel personally about these things. Yeah. When people talk about how dumb it was that Ouya was around and how dare anybody believe in it. Like, I feel personally attacked. Sure, right? sure. And, yeah. like, that is obviously just very emotional. Mm. But, like, I think everyone who is involved with these kinds of things, you know, there are people who it mattered to. Yeah. Um, and it all, it's all part of the grand history of gaming so um i think it's it's worth just sort of taking everything at least uh, on its own terms and seeing if it has some value at least to learn and know about yeah totally reminds me of that picard quote it's like you can do everything right and still lose yep uh well that's a great note to go out on (laughs) (laughs) that's our show if you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really do need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter at Nice Games Club where Dale posts all, a whole lot of cool stuff. It's, it's like amazing how well she's doing. Yes. Thank you, Dale. <laughs> it's super fun. In the old days, if you wanted to get in touch with us, you would tweet us and none of us would do anything about it. Yes. <laughs> Dale's <laughs> handling it well. Now you can tweet us and it gets to the right people yeah. because Dale is handling it. Yes. Yes. You can also email us at contact at nicegames.club. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all of the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.